The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, this is Helen, and this is Wine Face. My name is Helen. I am a wine expert, restaurant owner, wine shop owner, aficionado. Helen's Wines is my business. It's in the back of a restaurant called John and Vinny's, which is in Los Angeles on Fairfax Avenue. Coming to Brentwood soon. It's early December right now, so probably by 2019 you could cruise in in Brentwood. But this is my podcast, Wine Face. Wine Face is a podcast that breaks down the overwhelming world of wine into easy, digestible little nuggets. Little nuggets. And we're going to dip them in some little dipping sauces and crunch, crunch, crunch. They could also be vegetarian nuggets. I feel like I'm very concerned about if people are vegetarians when I'm talking about wine pairings and nuggets and stuff like that. Maybe I'm talking about gold nuggets. They're little, little wine nuggets. Anyway... Today, we are talking about the wild world of entertaining. Dun, dun, dun. I think it's a topic that doesn't freak me out at all because I feel like every day I'm entertaining at John and Vinny's and at Helen's. Hospitality is my middle name and making people happy is my game. But for a lot of my friends and some of my family, entertaining is really, really friggin' hard for them. And it's like, what do I do? How do I be a good host? What should I buy? What should I wear? A to Z, we are going to break this shit down. Now, let me start by being if you are the guest. So let's say I'm going to a party. Couple rules for the road. One, what wines to bring to a party. People ask me this all the time. I mentioned it on a different episode, but I'm going to say it again. One rule of thumb I have is always bring two bottles. It doesn't mean you need to spend a lot of money. You got to keep in mind, as long as you're going to a great wine shop, you're buying delicious, drinkable wine, you don't need to spend $75 a bottle. You can get two bottles for $20 each, spend $40. But the reason I like to bring two bottles of wine is one is a gift and one is to drink. Or if the night's super fun, you end up drinking both wines and it's great. It's always a major bummer when you go to a wine shop, you put in the effort to buy some bottles of wine, bring them over, and then people 
the host has the right to do this, but they kind of take it and put it off to the side. And this used to happen to me all the time because people knew I was bringing the dope shit. And so I would come to someone's house, I'd bring them wine, and in my mind, I was like, oh, we're going to drink this wine with dinner, and it would disappear. I'd be like, wait, where'd that wine go? And I'm not the type of person who would ask to open it because I don't roll that way. So then I started my rule of two. Always roll with two bottles, self-protective. It's also, if I don't like the style or the vibe or the quality level of a wine that someone's serving me. And I mean, I am snobby when it comes to this. I just won't drink it. So I always like to drink wine with dinner. So that's why I bring two. Um, a nice wine to bring to a party though, is decide when you're setting the mood of your bottle. Safest bet is to bring a red wine in winter because people are cozy. They're inside. I was at a party last night and they had six bottles of red and six bottles of white and like nobody drank white wine and everyone crushed the red. And it's chilly for winter ish it's chilly-ish in Los Angeles we're at about 48 degrees at night trust me everyone's wearing like layers it's amazing we have the desert chill though guys people don't understand it doesn't it gets cold I'm wearing a puffy jacket today and I am not ashamed of it but back to entertaining so you want to go with red wine if you are the guest. I think in the winter, red wine. In the summer, rosé or white wine. Or wild card, it's always fun to bring a bottle of sparkling wine, Petit Naturel, or champagne already cold. You are setting the mood for your arrival of, I brought this bottle, let's pop it. Always, always, always keep in mind, if the host doesn't want to open it, just let it go and let it flow and ask where the tequila is and make sure it's organic. <laughs> um, so what wines, people also ask me, let's flip back. So that's if you're a guest that takes the anxiety out, you're going to show up, you're going to bring two bottles of wine, you're going to hopefully drink one of them. What's done is done. It also depends on the vibe of the party. And I think that dictates a lot. Sometimes I usually ask people, what can I bring? They always say wine, but sometimes people are like, could you bring tequila? And I'm like, whoa, it's that kind of party. And I'm down and I will bring you tequila and I will leave it there. When you are hosting, here's where we break it down. What wines should you serve for a small party, medium-sized party, or a large party? Again, you got to keep in mind, just serve something delicious and drinkable. You don't have to go out and spend a ton of money. It really doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to enjoy the night or enjoy the food more. You want to really think about what's the vibe of your party? Are you serving food in a seated setting? Or is this a serve yourself bar, which we will get to in a second? Or is it sort of like a lot more casual and there's just a lot of bottles on the table? You're never going to have, unless you're doing like a perfect food and wine pairing, you're never going to be able to curate a moment or have so much control over it. So what I suggest people do is buy a white wine and a red wine that are not too expensive, that are moderately priced, somewhere between $20 and $30 a bottle. If you're having 100 people over, definitely spend closer to 20 or even 15 and make sure the wine shop you're buying from gives you a case discount because that's industry standard. If you're buying 12 bottles of anything, you should definitely get a discount. So you want to buy something that's crowd-pleasing, very drinkable, 
kind of doesn't fight your palate. Uh, grapes like Gamay on the lighter side would be beautiful. A Syrah Grenache blend from the Rhone Valley would be really nice for red wine. For white wine, Chardonnay can be a little polarizing, so I advise people to stay away from it. Sauvignon Blanc can be nice. M- wines from Muscadet could be really good because they're very crisp, light white wines. If you know that your guests are adventurous or they're super into natural wines, I would definitely bring a skin contact white wine, aka orange wine, aka amber wine. I'm starting the amber wine trend. It's definitely not going to catch on, aka mosquito Jurassic Park wine. Um, So if you have more of an adventurous group, you got to read your guest list. Who are they? For instance, one of my business partners, John, he likes white wine, if he's going to drink wine, pretty much only. And he likes it to taste like water. Whereas Vinny is way more, my other business partner, he's way more adventurous. He will try anything. He likes wines that are really interesting. He really likes a red grape called Pinot Dianne. He likes the weirder red wines that are a little bit more floral. So you got to kind of read your audience and gauge what you're getting into. If you're throwing a dinner party for four people, this is when I say ball out on some wine. Because you want to get a return on your investment. You want to make sure that you're engaged engaging with the wine as much as possible. Whereas if you're having more than four people, even if it's eight, you don't want to fight over one bottle of great wine. You want to have wine flowing on your dinner table like water, like it's never going to run out because that is setting an effortless vibe to your table. And by no means would I judge the person who's definitely chugging down the wine, which... You know, we all know, we all know, we see you chugging the wine. No, I'm just kidding. So that's a hot tip. You're having a small dinner. You're having one-on-one. I usually bring the nicest wines home when I know I'm just having dinner with Alex because then the two of us can really enjoy it. And then I also bring really nice wines when I know it's four people. But anything more than four, the scale kind of slides down. If we're having six people or eight people, I'll usually buy... The number of bottles that I'll bring correlates with the number of people at the table. So I will have eight bottles of wine, but we might not drink them all. Now, when you're getting into a party vibe, okay, now we've graduated from dinner party into full-blown party. Maybe you are setting up a buffet. Maybe it's just heavy apps. Maybe it's epic cheese boards, or maybe you're making like some killer snack. Who the hell knows? My busy, my biggest suggestion to people, and this works even if you're only having 12 people over, 12 and up, 8 and up, make a makeshift bar at your house that self-serve. You don't need to have some crazy tablecloth. You don't need to have it in some crazy place. I often recommend people do it in their kitchen where there's a sink nearby or in a pantry if there's a sink in there or if there's like a little galley side kitchen that's connecting a dining room to a kitchen that kind of vibe. And you want to take a countertop, preferably next to the sink, and you want to set up whatever you are offering your guests to serve so it's easily accessible to them. I usually recommend doing a limited bar. And limited bar means you don't need to have everything under the sun. You don't need every kind of alcohol. You don't need every kind of beer. You don't need every kind of wine or mixer or garnish. It's too excessive. You hone in and you say, okay, I'm going to have a bottle of vodka or two or 10, depending how many people you're coming, have coming over. I'm gonna have a really great scotch or a really great whiskey for sipping. And I'm gonna have a tequila. 
And then I'm going to, you know, what's really nice is if you have a two compartment sink, use one half of the compartment as a big chill bucket. So you fill it with ice and you put your bottles of wine that need to get cold and your beer bottles in one side. And then you have the other side for just like dishes or if you need to throw some water in there or throw some liquid out or you hated a wine that you opened and you throw it in there. So that's what I always say. And then you want to line the spirits up. The ones that do not need that much components, so like a bourbon where you might only add an ice cube, they're farthest from the sink. And then you work your way in. So you would go probably like bourbon, scotch, and then tequila. And then you put your vodka and your gin closest to the sink. Set out a couple little fever tree tonics, fever tree soda waters. Get a cutting board with a nice little knife set some whole fruit out in a bowl so people can cut their own citrus garnish and then it depends how ambitious you are i mean batching cocktails for a party is a whole other thing and we can get into a whole entertaining batching cocktails episode where i can post up some recipes because you know that's what i do for part of my business but that's the best way to set it up. And then there's always wine. Another key thing is that you don't need to make people drinks. You need to show people where the bar is. And then you need to make sure that you are always checking that it has enough of everything stocked. You don't need to overstock it. But for example, the other day I went to a very small gathering at someone's house and like an hour and a half in, all the wine was gone and it was there was more wine in the kitchen but it felt weird to like go in there and replenish their bar and they just weren't really thinking about it so I do think it's nice to always if you're going to do the self-service bar which I think people in general love they definitely like to engage in it just make sure you are replenishing it let's talk about glassware for a second so when you're drinking wine Traditional wine glasses fall into about four categories. The first one is an all-purpose wine wine glass, which is often referred to as like a white wine glass, but it's an AP glass, all-purpose. And it's usually like an average size. If someone was like, close your eyes and draw a picture of a wine glass, that's what you would draw. That's what you draw, just average wine glass. Then there's burgundy glasses, which are the big sort of bowls. They're the bowls that sit on the stem, and those are called burgundy glasses. And burgundy glasses get their name because certain wines are better in those glasses. Believe it or not, wines from Burgundy should be put into a Burgundy glass. So Pinot Noir and Chardonnay love to have a big bowl to swim around in. Barolos love to be put in a burgundy glass. Um, They just like to have a little bit more aeration and less of a concentrated vessel to smell, like so that that you don't get as much of a nose. They like to swim around in this like luxurious big bowl. Then there's Bordeaux glasses, which are the other. It's like the big version of what of what you would think is like a quintessential wine glass. It's just a bigger version, and those are great for cabs, Merlots, Syrah Grenache, Chateau Neuf du Pas. Spanish red wine, uh, Malbec, stuff like this do really well in a glass like that. Last, there's champagne flutes or coupes. Champagne was originally put into a flute, not originally, but the reason it went from coupe 
to flute is because the flutes contain the bubbles and they kind of stay intact a little bit longer and allows for a more intense concentration of the nose because champagnes don't tend to be as aromatic. You will notice if you poured champagne into a coupe and a coupe is a glass, it's like those flapper styles. A coupe is the kind of glass that they make champagne towers out of. Those, if you poured like a glass in, of, of champagne into a flute and a glass into a coupe, the bubbles would not stay as intact in the coupe. I like to serve champagne in a wine glass. That's just me. I don't think you need an extra glass for champagne. I like to serve it in the all-purpose glass that you might serve rosé or white wine in. If you can only afford to buy one set of glasses, though, I usually recommend that people buy a medium size all-purpose glass. You don't want it to be too small and you don't want it to be too big because it might not fit in your cabinet and there's a higher likelihood that you will break it while you're washing it. If you don't want to hand wash your wine glasses, so like real crystal glasses, they need to be hand washed, like Rydell's um, need to be hand washed. If you don't want to do that, then I do recommend getting Schatzwiesel as a brand because some of the Schatzwiesel have titanium in them and they're more industrial strength. You can put them in a dishwasher. It just depends how thin the glass is. But throw the rules aside. You don't need to serve wine in a wine glass. You can run to Ikea, grab a bunch of dope little tumblers, and you can definitely serve wine in that, especially if you're having a big party. I think you reserve the wine glasses for the nicer bottle of wines and for more casual wines. Drink them in Moroccan tea glasses or tumblers. It's absolutely fine. When you're doing a party in the winter, you want to set the mood. You want to light your fire. You want to light the candles. You want to get the music cranking. And you want to think about food that's not going to tie you down. I always recommend a big, badass cheese board. You overload that thing. Load it up with dried fruits, olives, nuts, four different cheeses, different kind of breads and vehicles for their cheeses, honeys, compotes. I could give you a million ideas of what to put on a board. Multiple kinds of sliced cured meats. It's always a nice thing to have, a grazing station. I also do love a crudite. But then if you're doing more of like a dinner vibe, make sure it's something that you can either make beforehand, like beef bourguignon, or something that is so fast and easy to make in a big batch, like cacio e pepe. And then think about the wines that go with those foods. Last but not least, I think that when you start the party, you have everything set up, you want to think about the timing and the flow. So guests are arriving. You don't want guests, if you're doing a seated dinner, you don't want to wait too long to sit down. And sometimes I think everything gets mismanaged. So when I'm having a dinner party and I have people over, I make sure that I've prepped as much as I can ahead of time so that in the moment when it comes down to cooking, I will be in the kitchen finishing everything up for about 20 minutes tops, which means if all of my guests arrive at, like we invite them at seven and most of them arrive around seven, seven fifteen. 
7.30, we're sitting down and eating at the table by 7.50, 8 o'clock. So one hour from the original arrival time, you were sitting down to eat dinner. That's about an hour to eat dinner and maybe have dessert. And then you kind of allow another hour buffer for that chill zone, maybe smoke some weed, hang out outside. When you're having an, a big party, there isn't as much stress on the structure. It's just about making sure that you have enough food and enough drink and that you're curating that experience. The last thing I'm going to leave you with for this holiday season of entertaining and why you should definitely make sure you have a little wine under your tree is there are a couple health benefits that you get from drinking wine. And here they are, like the advent calendar that it is. Wine contains antioxidants, so AKA you're getting younger. It boosts your immune system. The phenols in the grapes boost your immune system. Wine increases bone density, no osteoporosis. It reduces the risk of a stroke. Hell no, we don't wanna get a stroke. Reduces the risk of heart disease. It can lower your cholesterol and it reduces the risk of type 2 diabetes. I don't know how wine does it. I don't know, but give it up. Give it up. Big hand for wine. The last thing I'll leave you with is, you know that time of the night when you really want everyone to get the fuck out of your house? Well, here's some tips to get people to leave. Turn the music off. Like, turn it off. They'll pick up on it eventually. Turn the lights brighter, slowly, so that it gets brighter and brighter, So it, especially if it's been dark. Uh start cleaning up and then if you like need to go full throttle put on your pajamas but <laughs> i don't really recommend that but if you really want to get hardcore put on your pjs and they will leave right now my top three wines for entertaining in the winter are champagne tis the season pierre gerbet he's my favorite it's mostly pinot noir with a little bit of chardonnay he's a magician it is delicious i love it i'm super obsessed with these marc delian gamets they are new to me. He's based in Brewery. Beautiful, like, modern art labels. It's They're delicious. And Gamay is just so crowd-pleasing and juicy and perfect for uh, entertaining evening. And then I got to give it to my boy, Evan Lewandowski, who makes the Lu Ruth Lewandowski wines. The Boaz is a red wine he makes. It's Carignan, Grenache, and Cabernet Sauvignon. And it's equal parts, a little bit earthy, a little bit full-bodied, a little bit minerally, and a little bit funky top three entertaining wines for winter people are gonna love it entertaining's not easy just keep a cool head who cares what other people think make sure you stock what you like and everyone else will follow suit get the lights right put the music on make sure everyone has everything they need and then go ape on the food and drink and don't even worry about it this is helen and this has been wine face entertaining holiday edition you can find out more info about helen's wines which is my wine shop in los angeles at helenswines.com or follow me on instagram at helens wines please please subscribe to wine face and rate and review us and share what you like about it please also dm me if you have certain topics that you would love us to cover i take any and all feedback positive and negative and i will see you next week for another great episode this is helen this is wine face i'm out